Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. His authoritative word destroys the earth's armies by his divine power. That means millions of people during this last battle and their horses will be destroyed instantly. Notice, the great supper of God is the destruction of God's remaining enemies. Then he'll establish his new kingdom. So the angel calls the birds to come and eat the flesh of all the dead people and animals. Can you picture that? See, God isn't angry. He just says, I've had enough. Do you understand that this world has an expiration date? That there'll be a time, a point when all decisions will have no chance to be undone? Sure, you know that each person has an expiration date. It's called death. But you probably don't think that the universe has one of those as well. Today, Pastor Mark will be teaching about that universal expiration date. You'll learn what's going to bring about the final date and, more importantly, Who will bring that date to pass? You'll find out what's going to happen prior to that day and how you can find yourself on the right side of that event. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Second Coming of Christ and Armageddon. Well, my horse had to have five cups of coffee that morning. (laughs) And I'm looking back. I'm saying, help, help. Where's the break? Where's the break? Do you pull something? What do you do? I knew nothing. And I look back in my wife's horse. I'm like saying, I'll never see you again. I don't know where this idiot's going. And eventually, I still don't remember how I got off it. I really don't. He would not stop. And my wife would not go. And I said to God, God, you do all things well. You put me on the wrong horse. He's probably laughing in heaven. You say, well, well, that's ridiculous, Pastor Mark. Well, at least I have a little experience. I'm not worried now. You know why? Because I'll have a new body. I'll be riding on a horse, and I can say to that horse, in the name of Jesus, stop! (laughs) Right there. Right there. So we're going to be on a horse. Get used to it. Get used to it. Okay. Now, think about this. Why did it say, we're going to be riding on a white horse dressed in fine linen, white and clean? When you're going to battle, you're putting a white linen, clean, 
uniform on? What's up with that? Why not the army uniforms? Why not the boots? Well, look at verse 15 is the answer. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword, Jesus. It's not a mental sword. You'll get it. With which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. The sharp sword in Christ's mouth means that Jesus will speak a word or a sentence of words that will destroy the earth's armies by his divine power. Now, that makes kind of no sense to us. How can you win a war by saying words or a word? Let me read this verse for you. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. Remember, at creation, God said, stars, whoop, created. Water, created. Earth, created. By what? A word. So think about how powerful God's words are. I mean, have you ever said, well, come into existence. I'll take a Mazda. Some of you say, well, if you're going to do that, just ask for a Mercedes. What the heck's wrong with you? Have you ever said the word and it came into being? No. You could say a word and it will come into being, but that's with your marriage problems. I don't have time to go there today. But none of us could make anything come into being. None of us. Ever, ever, ever. What does Jesus do? One word. The battle's over. Everybody dies. That's impossible for us to understand. But notice what this book is. It's powerful than any two-edged sword. See, it has power. So what does that mean for us? Remember, we're the army with Jesus. What does that mean? It just means this. This is why kind of we got into the book of Revelation because of 2 Thessalonians. Look at this verse. And then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed whom the Lord will overthrow with the what? The breath of his mouth. With a word. And destroy by the splendor of his coming. Here's why our white outfits will stay perfectly clean. Because when the battle happens, we are observers. Who's doing the fighting? Only one person, Jesus. Is that amazing? We're watching it. And Jesus, with the word of his mouth, whoop! What a war. What an ending. What a powerful God we have. And when I was thinking about this, studying it this week, even the final battles are the Lord's. We see all through Scripture, when you and I are fighting things, and we try to get it solved in our own wisdom, does that work? Never. And so what do we learn from A to Z in the Bible? The battle is the Lord's. You just depend on him. So here we are. The whole world is coming. You'll see how that comes in a moment. And what does he do? Just go, whoop, and they're all gone. So we're there. We're still white because we haven't done a thing. And he has blood because the deaths will be there. Now, where will Jesus return to? Look at Zechariah 14, verse 3. Then the Lord will go out and fight against the nations, the nations of the world. 
as he fights in the day of battle. Now, here's your answer. Look at verse 4. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two. There's a fissure underneath that. We even know that today. From east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain, the mountain, moving north and half moving south. Wow. I've been there. I've I've taught there 17 times over the years when we take groups to us. This is exactly where he's coming. Now, notice he's overlooking the city of Jerusalem. Why the city of Jerusalem? Well, number one, Israel is God's nation. Jerusalem is God's city. That's why Satan has always been after the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. That's why you have a mosque there today. Satan's saying, na, 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 na. Uh, He didn't read chapter 19. <laughs> it's going to be over. You'll see how that looks. All these physical and geographical changes will occur when Jesus comes back to the earth. Remember, his feet will be there. They will absolutely stand on the Mount of Olives. And we're told in Ezekiel 47, don't have time to go to it, but you can look at it later, Ezekiel 47, Old Testament, that when that mountain splits, a new river will flow through Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a dry city. The only way they survive is because of the water that comes from the mountains through the Sea of Galilee. That new river will flow all the way down to the Dead Sea. When we go to Israel, people like to swim in the Dead Sea. Well, you can swim there, but you have to be very careful. You you can't swim. You can only float because it's too heavy. It's 10 times more salty than normal sea. But you can't get it in your eyes. You can't get it in your mouth. But that Dead Sea, think about this, supernaturally becomes fresh water. And the Old Testament says, after that, that Jesus takes over, people will be out there fishing. Where people before like, Why are you fishing in the Dead Sea, you idiot? Because there's nothing in the Dead Sea. Sorry, it's going to be a place that's fresh. Isn't that remind you of something? He takes the dead and makes it alive. That's what Jesus is going to do. And that's because he, what? Stands with his feet on the mountain. He's saying, I'm taking over. Now, who will see Jesus return? Look at Revelation 1.7. I have it for you. Who will see Jesus return? Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Every eye. That's unbelievers and believers. Even those who pierced him. Jewish people, Roman people. People that, remember, were in those days. They just said, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. All those people. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Now, think about this. This was written more than 2,000 years ago. Now, here's John writing what the Holy Spirit says to write. And every eye will see him across the world. 2,000 years ago. Now, maybe John had a brownie camera. No, he didn't. You know, 
50 years ago, would you believe this verse? Well, how's everybody going to see him? Do we have any problem with that today? Technology has solved that problem, haven't they? You go home and all of a sudden something's bombed or whatever. In instant, all the world can see it. Am I right? So understand, this is going to happen. So what are they going to see? Jesus is going to return to the earth bodily, visibly, and literally. This is not a story. This is not a happy ending. This is Jesus. He's coming back as Jesus. And he's going to be visibly seen, bodily seen. He has a new body, which he had when he was resurrected. But the people, the whole world will see him. Now look at verse 16, what it says. On his robe, when he comes back, on his thigh, he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and lords of lords means Jesus' absolute sovereignty over all human rulers. Finally, this world will have one perfect ruler, and his name is Jesus. We have never had a perfect ruler. Never. But he's coming back to establish his kingdom. We're not there yet, but it's going to happen. It's absolutely going to happen. Now, look at verse 19. Now, it gets a little difficult. Just stay with me. Then I saw the beast, the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth, Russia, China, India, all over, Iraq, Iran. I saw the kings of the earth and their armies. See, the whole world is coming after Jesus. Gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse, Jesus and his army. Now, why Jesus? Satan has always been against Jesus. Why? Because he's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to heaven except through him. That's why he tried to get rid of Jesus, and he was shocked. He loved it when Jesus was crucified. But he realized he blew it because on resurrection day, Jesus was alive. Satan knows the Bible. He already knows his end, but he thinks it is not going to happen. Now, during the tribulation, Satan and his unholy trinity deceive leaders all over the world, presidents of all these countries. In an attempt to prevent Jesus from taking control, the beast becomes, he allies with these armies to make war against the Lord and to destroy Israel and to destroy the city of Jerusalem, God's city. Now, let me read to you from Revelation. This is one of the battles. There's a war with many battles. Let me read it to you. Then the sixth angel poured out of his bowl, remember the wrath of God, on the great Euphrates River. And it dried up so that the kings, the presidents from the east, could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouth of the dragon. These are demons. The beast and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out, watch this, go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day almighty. So there's the Antichrist and all these demons and they're confusing and deceiving all the leaders of the world. Come on. 
We're going to get rid of the Jewish people. We're going to get rid of that Jerusalem. We're going to get rid of all those people. Come join me. See? And you know what God did? He allowed the Euphrates to be a place. It was dried up. And these enemies, massive enemies from sometimes 300 million people could travel from the east, march to the land of Israel to be in the battle. Now, where is one of the focuses of the battle? There's a place. I've been there 18 times. This is one of the best battlefields of the world. It has history. It goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Many battles have been there. Not spiritual, just political to take over nations and so forth. It's called the Valley of Megiddo. You know the term Armageddon. You've seen movies with that. Well, this is where one of the battles is going to be. Remember, it's not just one battle. A lot of people think Armageddon, that's it, it's all over with. No, it's all over. It's all over. Especially in Jerusalem and other parts, it's going to be there. But this is one of the big ones at Armageddon. That's exactly going to happen there. There's going to be a physical war, and Jesus is going to speak a word, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to die there. Now look at verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair. Come, gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, presidents, generals, mighty men of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. This is a very difficult thing to read. The great supper of God is the destruction of God's remaining enemies. See, he will not start his kingdom unless Satan and all the people that say, not interested, not interested, not interested, not interested. He will not start his new kingdom until they're all finished. His authoritative word destroys the earth's armies by his divine power. That means millions of people during this last battle and their horses will be destroyed instantly. Notice. The great supper of God is the destruction of God's remaining enemies. Then he'll establish his new kingdom. So the angel calls the birds to come and eat the flesh of all the dead people and animals. Can you picture that? See, God isn't angry. He just says, I've had enough. You for centuries, Antichrist, you since the beginning of time have tried to defeat me. You're done. But it's not just the Antichrist, because he deceives all those people. Do you realize how many people are deceived by Satan today in our world? They don't hear any truth. Satan just blinds their minds. Look at verse 20. But the beast, the Antichrist, was captured. He wasn't killed. And with him, the false prophet, who had performed these miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast, They were deceived into that and worshiped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The lake of fire, which is the end result to all unbelievers. And notice, this is the final and permanent place of punishment for every single person since the beginning of time who refused to submit to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. See, this is not a game we're talking about. This is a God who's holy, who sent his only son to die for us. But people go, 
not interested, not interested. Look at verse 21. The rest of them were killed with the sword. That's that mouth again, that word that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. See, Satan and his armies of the world are totally defeated. There's no more enemies of God. Jesus will destroy all who resist in him. And what you see in verse 21, if you like to write in your Bible, this is the end of the tribulation. This is it. There's nobody left alive. This is the end of the tribulation. And it means that Jesus' victory is complete. Remember, he purchased the deed to the earth back when we opened that scroll. In his second coming, he finally takes possession, full possession of the world. And the earth becomes exactly what we said at the beginning in that prayer. May your kingdom come. And it comes. And the new kingdom of God is going to be ruled by Jesus forever. Forever. Now let me say something to you. Biblical prophecy reminds us of a couple things. Time is short and eternity is long. Now, what I just read to you isn't where we live today. We still have a devil. We still have the Antichrist spirit at work. You know that. We're tempted all the time. There is nothing in our world that's like this when the kingdom of God comes. So what do we have to do? We have to battle. We're still in a spiritual battle today. Satan loves to attack our mind with all kinds of things. You understand that. But let me show you where we're at today and how we can change that in our world. See, there's only two kingdoms. One day, there'll be how many kingdoms? One. Who's leading it? Jesus is. Right now, we have two. Satan is the ruler. We're all born into the kingdom of Satan because we were born with a sin nature. What is he going to do? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what happens. But we have another kingdom. God is the ruler. And what has he promised in John 10.10? He will give us you a fulfilling life in every aspect of your life. The key is this last question. Since everyone has a choice, which kingdom will you choose? God can't choose it for you. The greatest thing you have is a free will. He's prepared everything for you. It's ready. He's got grace. I was thinking about this while we were worshiping. Remember what the scripture says? When you turn your life over to Christ... It's like God saying a word. Old things are what? Passed away. Everything becomes what? New. You're hearing that voice from God. And you need to make the right decision. Today is the day of salvation. And you're not here by accident. God loves you. See, it's not about somebody else down the road from you or a friend outside. It's your future. And you have to make the decision. And God is here to help you. Thanks for joining Pastor Mark today on Lessons for Living. If you'd like to hear more from this study, you can find additional teachings online now at calvaryccm.com. We know that this time in our world is uncertain, but one truth remains steadfast. God is in control. During this season, we encourage you to spend time in the Word, in prayer, 
and in the presence of your Creator. As with many churches across our nation, Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne community are holding church online. The church isn't the building, it's the people who, despite whatever obstacles are in their way, still worship Jesus and praise His name. We'd love for you to join us. Visit calvaryccm.com forward slash live or join us over on Facebook, YouTube, or Roku. We'll be having services on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. We look forward to worshiping with you in this way until we can be gathered together as the body once again. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we are constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying about for you? Let us know by visiting our contact page at calvaryccm.com. Would you do the same for us? Please keep Pastor Mark and our church staff in your prayers, along with our nation's leaders and those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying. That's all for today. Join us again for another edition of Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear Your 